Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession, where medical services professionals and industry experts contribute their voices about popular topics, including the impacts of artificial intelligence, MSP core competencies, department advocacy, leadership, and more. I'm your host, Lauren Leocoris, content editor for NAMS. On this episode, I speak with Pearl Williams, NAMS DEI Task Force Chair, Vanetta Lewis, Director of Medical Staff Administration at Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall, and Vita Ferguson, Director of Medical Staff Services at Children's National, about DEI program modifications for 2022 and beyond, elements of a successful DEI program, and more. So welcome back to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast. On this special episode, I'm joined by Vanetta Lewis, Vita Ferguson, and Pearl Williams, and we are going to be addressing DEI. So to get us started, now that we're in 2022, what goals has the NAMS DEI task force set for this year? And I want to kick this over to Pearl, who serves on NAMS DEI task force. Thank you, Lauren. I am currently serving as the DEI task force chair for NAMS. My name is Pearl Williams, and I've been in credentialing uh, medical staff operations for 18 plus years. Always proud to say I started my career in New York, um, <laughs> and being part of the task force has been very fulfilling for me. For 2022, the goals that we have set include broadening the understanding of the DEI within names, increase the number of diverse professionals in leadership positions within names, also to develop a culture that expands equity and inclusion in all activities and actions NAMS as an association would partake in. And in, in addition to that, we want to increase the number of diverse professionals within NAMS. And one way for us to meet our broadening theme of things for DEI within NAMS is to encourage, and this is being our function, this actually is our foundation to rolling out programs, is to get all of our membership to complete or update their profile. The why behind it is to use that information, which is confidential, and allow me to emphasize this, it is very confidential. Your profile will never be made public. It's always private. And to use that information to plan educational programs and other activities to meet our minority members. Excellent. Thanks so much, Pearl. And my next question is, in what ways are employers modifying their DEI programs for 2022 and beyond? Okay. So my name is Vita Ferguson. I'm the director of the medical staff office at Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C., and I have been with children for three years, but I've been in the medical field for 20, 22 years. And also, of course, we started in New York. And that's how I met these beautiful ladies in New York conference. And it was love at first sight, instant friendship. And we have motivated each other. We have supported each other. At that time, there was a limited amount of us. But back to the question, as far as what are we doing in 2022, I am a part of the leadership in DC at Children's Hospital. And I I love the fact that every week we have a DEI 
not only the meeting that we do have that it's mandatory if you're part of the committee but also we have a town hall where we we will bring that information to all the employees of children hospitals and every week we choose a different nationality as far as it's hispanic week at children it's it's african-american week at children it doesn't matter what the nationality every week every week we have a different nationality that we we have people from that culture will um, come and speak about what it means to them as far as working at children and being included not that we try to be as fair as possible across the board but what fear to one person or one culture might not be fair to the other. So we make sure the inclusion is important to make sure that you, we understand what is. Um, so we bring it across the, um, the, the, all the facilities and we make sure that you, you do have a voice. We make sure that the equity is there for the fairness of everyone that's involved. And what I love about 2022 is that when you hear diversity, you think of black and white. Uh, most of us never think of male, female, whether you're LGBT or whether you are a veteran or whether you are, it, we, we just think of, 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 of just some of what is. But when you look at the aspect of that, it is so wide now that we are including, like um, last week we have the LGBT community as far as presenting to us and to be included and the treatment and what is and what is expected. And, and you find out when you listen that you don't even know that you were biased and did not know. You learn by listening, you realize, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Um, because you are biased by your culture, you are biased by your upbringing, you are biased by your mother, your father, the way you were grew up in your community. That you did not know that you have that belief until someone actually say, this hurts me, this is uncomfortable for me. I would love to add on to that by just stating some of what our organization here is doing. My name is Vanetta Lewis. I am currently the president-elect of NYSAMS. I'm also the NYSAMS DEI task force leader. I am also the chair of DEI here at St. Luke's, at Montefiore St. Luke's. I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. I'm also a member of the Haney's Health Equity Task Force here in New York. And the exposure with DEI has been a great addition to my career and has helped me personally and professionally with realizing my own biases as Vita mentioned. And some of the things that our committee here at Montefiore St. Luke's Cornwall has done is we have participated and we are participating in the CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion. We also have begun to present and conduct trainings and unconscious bias and DEI training for our senior leadership. Um, the director of HR and I just did one in December for them on conscious bias training, and it was very enlightening to them. Um, we also would like to pursue the healthcare equity um, index um, certification through the um, Human Rights Campaign Foundation. So that's one of the goals that we have for this year to 
pursue and open up more opportunities in DEI for our organization and for the employees. Um, but we are starting from the top, from leadership, and they're 100% supportive of us pushing forward and pushing through um, launching DEI um, initiative here at the hospital. So that's where we, we've started. We are going to re-implement spotlight videos. We do spotlight videos of random members um, and employees of the hospital, highlighting their personal culture and how that lends to the um, improvement of patient care and how personally the job has affected them and um, what's, what, what is special about them and their culture and what they bring to the organization. And we've had about four or five of those videos launched over the last two years. Um, of course, COVID has kind of put a kibosh on so many different things, but th that's one of the things that um, we're gonna re-implement. Um, so we also highlight historical clinicians um, that have pioneered different things in healthcare each month, like January, February, March, we do um, spotlight different cultured um, pioneers in the industry. We just did for Martin Luther King Day, we did a overhead of his speech on the sound system here. And we sent out, you know, just a little, um, the same speech with a flyer out to all the employees, including the medical staff. So um, that's some of the stuff that we've done here at the hospital for two, for 2022 and going and on beyond, so. That's awesome, Vanetta. One of the things, just to piggyback on that number, that question is, you know, at my level, I have not seen uh, much of modification because it, it's new, it's new, so the entity level, it might be something they have been doing in my organization on a broader scale. 2020 resulted in a lot of emails and advertising how much funds, large sums of cash being donated to black colleges and so forth. But for me, I am yet to see the impact of that at the entity level. And I think there are still opportunities to have that impact at the entity level where I can see it and feel it. One thing I know they've done was form a DEI council, but is it effective? In my opinion, I don't think it is because if I should walk around my facility and ask staff, are you aware that we have a DEI program? I'm sure I'll get a no. So I think we still have a lot of opportunity in my facility. And I can also add to that too, as far as that, uh, another thing that we're doing in children is the CMO, one of our CMO decided to step aside as a CMO and be an advocate for the DEI program. And as a female, she's a, an African American, well, she's from Puerto Rico. And what happened, what she did, which it, it's, it's amazing, she stepped down from that position to volunteer to lead this program and to the inclusion, and she started with leadership. It's mandatory for us to take all the classes as far as the DEI, DEI the bias classes, and it's also mandatory. They did a whole revamp as far as the pay as far as female 
salary and male salary and make sure that we're equal. They also did a looking at the promotion of male and female and they're starting to make sure that female promotion are part of the factor. And yes, after you do your research in, in different companies, you'll notice that you wasn't doing what you were supposed to do. But it's amazing that they're going through all the system, making sure as far as salary that females are included at the level and making sure that the departments are diverse and make an inclusion. And for me, this is a lot of respect to her as far as taking on that role after serving as a medical doctor and decided that I'm going to make a difference in the community, difference in someone's life. And I have to say that's respectful. And yes, most of the people are aware of the DEI program now in our hospital because we make it sure we make it a town hall meeting and have different subcommittees to make sure that they are aware and that if you're not comfortable, here is a committee, here is a number to call. Do you want to be included? If you don't feel like you're being included, here are the number to call to feel a part of the family of Children's National. Like what you hear on the Tomorrow's MSP podcast? Visit namsgateway.org to catch up on more content and insights from medical services professionals and industry experts. And can any of you speak to key elements of successful DEI programs or what you've observed to be successful in your own respective programs? I can start with that. When we first started our DEI committee, it was so interesting. Everybody was tense. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't want to disrespect one another or say the wrong thing or we were just extremely careful. That ended by the end of the first meeting. Once we got comfortable with one another, once we made it a very safe environment, and these are some of the things that you need to do in order to have success and open dialogue where you can say something that maybe isn't politically correct, but that's what you know and what you understand. And with the diversity within the committee, we're able to get different points of view from one another and learn and grow. So one of the things that leads to successful DEI programs is to create a safe space and allow open dialogue with no repercussions to definitely welcome questions, welcome everyone's point of view, have an understanding, have empathy and have a lot of respect. And it's almost like the Vegas saying, what happens here, what's said here and what's seen here stays here, unless it's something that we can comfortably share outside of these walls. And we started the DEI committee with that. And I tell you, I learned so much about so many different things. And I thought I was liberal and understanding and open. And, and we had people cry in that committee. We had people argue in that committee. We had people just like be beside themselves with emotion. And we it's triggered some people as well. But we were able to still leave there with respect and friendship amongst all of us. And there's about 20 of us in that committee. So when we did the unconscious bias training for the senior leadership, we brought that same energy to them. We opened it up that way. Whatever seen here, said here, and, and felt here, you can leave it here. But we want you to open up and express yourselves. And let's open this dialogue and find out how each other's thinking. And let's grow from this. So 
we're there to share and we're there to learn. So that's what I've seen where we can have where where the success begins for these these different DEI committees. And at that same thing happened at NICAMS. It was really interesting to have a discussion with a woman of leadership here who's Caucasian. And I'll tell you, I was shocked to, well, not shocked, but I was really taken back that they did not understand what the kneeling of the flag was about or what white privilege even meant. I was completely shocked that they thought it was more like, oh, well, you, um, we struggled as well for our opportunities. We didn't just get them handed to us. It, it, and, and that open dialogue with that person also helped me because she sent me a video of why the American flag is so important to Americans. And then I was able to share with her why we knelt down when everyone else thought we should be honoring the flag. And that dialogue, that openness, we're still great friends today. We're hugging in the halls and, you know, and the, the thing that really shocked me was this is the wife of a high politician. So I would have thought that her in that position would have completely understood what the definition of white privilege was. And she didn't. And she thanked me. And hopefully the next time she's having a, a conversation with her friends or colleagues about this information, she'll be able to share exactly what it meant. Because surprisingly, a lot of people do not understand when we say the definition of white privilege. So the success of this program is about open dialogue, respect, honesty, and empathy. And I think it will go far. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think it's so important that we continue to have these dialogues within our work environment, within our community, and at a national level as well. Because remember, most people stay with their own, so to say. And not having that cross-conversation um, is preventing us from learning from each other. I may think... I only think and say things based on what I have read and know and experienced. And it's the same thing for them. But we need to continue to have that open dialogue um, to be successful if we're going to promote DEI internationally, globally. So um, that's an awesome story. Um, for me, successful DEI program. In, a, in the workplace for me, starts at leadership. Um, only, the, it, it needs to start there. That's where it needs to start. Until leadership can embrace DEI, until leadership can look like the people who work in their facility, then only at that time I think we can have a successful DEI program. Because remember, leadership sets the tone for everything else that happens within your um, within the in, within the work facility, and they need to be able to have comfortable as well as uncomfortable conversation among themselves, among the people that report up to them, um, and we as leaders as well need to have that comfortable and uncomfortable conversation 
for the people that are that reports to us. And from the leadership side, you know, program needs to be rolled out um, to recognize the demographic information, the demographic um, numbers, minority, majority within the work the work setting, so that we are targeting pathways because you know. I've been in the workforce for probably too long, ready to retire. Um, <laughs> but what I have seen is, and it continues, but I know there's a lot of attention to that now, is that advancement, a career advancement pathway is only structured for some. You know, everyone needs a tap on their shoulder to be able to enjoy that pathway to advancement. And the only way to to be successful in that is to make sure that our leaders are putting programs and steps in place so that everyone, not some, everyone have that ability to grow. And in what ways are DEI initiatives affected by remote or hybrid work? Have you know, different organizations found way to found ways to do remote resource groups. Have more resources been put online for people to access frequently? Well, at our facility, the training right now, um, we are we are remote right now. As far as um, if you're not clinical, where you have to be by the bedside, um, but all the training is is online. Um, so that's one of the situation that all the, the programs that we have, most of them are online. Um, mm -hmm. It's hybrid because what happened is that the presentation, once you're going to do the presentation, you have to be in person. Um, but we have the big town room where sometimes there's maybe 20 of us and this room can haul up old up to a thousand, uh, maybe 500, I would say comfortable. But because of COVID, we, you know, we, we, we kept our distance. But if you're presenting, then you have to be in person six feet apart of course with your mask and sanitizer but um <laughs> the, but the fact is i laugh because i i personally stay home you know so yeah. i don't want to do my presentation from home but it's one of those situations that they make it safe for you to be there and um the inclusion of of um making sure that it's 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 here for all the staff to listen to um and making sure that it's there. So, and there are times when you have up to a thousand or more listening in and the programs. It's amazing. Um, being that we are remote, um, we do meet as far as you can take it back down to department because as a leader, you have to take it back to your department and you have to have the DEI meeting with your staff. And at the end of the, the fiscal year, I have to do a presentation. What have I done as a leader of the department to make sure that DEI is in the department and you have to show that. Um, of course, there's some incentive to it, but you know, but they make, <laughs> they make sure that you, that's the, some part of your evaluation as a leader to show that what have you done mm -hmm. um, as far as leadership to make sure that your staff are educated in the DEI as to make sure that you are involved, make sure that they're engaged, make sure that, you know, the inclusion is there um, and you have to show that. So it's something that you have to do because you have to prove it and show it. Um, so that's something. Um, also, another part of the inclusion um, as far as with the, if you're going to do hybrid, what resources you use, um, 
I get like different speaker to speak to my department. Um, again, Vanessa, thank you. You have a, she have a DEI program for NISAMS. I make sure that my meeting that I was having, I set up the meeting for my department around that presentation and we all sat in and watched that presentation. Okay. You know, so those are some of the stuff. I go out and find different DUI program, Harvard University. They have a lot of free programs that they have out there. Um, this week, instead of doing meetings and talk about credential and all that stuff, we're listening on a, on a podcast about DEI. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the stuff that I do as a leadership uh, for my department. But my um, facility, my um, organization, they bring in different people, different speakers, and different training for us. Um, there is a huge challenge um, to DEI, because I think DEI is very palatable. It's very, you know, like connecting. And one thing that remote work does is kind of take away that connection. Um, one of the things that we we want to do is build relationships, build trust. And one of the reasons why I turned my camera on, Lauren, was because if we can't be in person together, I think this the camera and seeing these beautiful faces here is one of the good ways to con keep that connection, that visual connection. Um, hearing voices is great, but seeing a face is even greater and touching somebody and giving them a hug and tell them that everything is okay is even better. So there is a huge challenge remotely um, to connect the DEI initiatives when it's something that's more palatable. Like last year for George Floyd, the hospital had a kneeling ceremony outside of in the front of the hospital. And I mean, there was a moment of silence and everybody just knelt and there was tears, there was everything. The emotion that you felt outside was just incredible. You can't do that on Zoom. I mean, you know what I mean? So there are challenges. Um, hopefully as COVID hopefully goes back down, we could start bringing people back in. But one of the things that we do is the, the spotlight videos really help because they're on YouTube and everybody gets an opportunity to see different people in the organization talk about how St. Luke's, how it is to work as St. Luke's as a person who's LGBTQ, a person who's Indian American, um, African American girl who worked her way all the way up to a management position here within this community, because we are in an underserved community. So that remote does take that away. We do have a hybrid model, so people are in and out. Um, but we're working to get that building together with my department when we first got kicked out of the hospital because they needed the rooms for beds and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. I man, It was mandatory that we have a weekly Zoom meeting face to face. The camera had to be on. I didn't care if you came with rollers, your bonnet, your slip, your robe, you had to be on. No makeup, makeup. I didn't care. I needed to have that visual I needed to place my eyes on you to make sure visually that you looked good and that you were okay through this pandemic. It was really stressful and, and heavy for everybody. And I think um, it is also hard to navigate conflict through a hybrid remote. If you're having some issues with um, accountability, it's kind of difficult when you're remote, but if you, Zoom has been a very good tool where you can actually visualize and see and still have an interactive conversation 
with with members of your team. So um, that's that's how it's affected us. We still have our DEI meetings because we have a large committee. We do have um, Zoom meetings still, but we will be getting back together because sometimes also you kind of are not as free to speak freely on a um, Zoom meeting versus in the room where everybody's just able to talk and it stays there. People could be recording, people could be doing anything um, on Zoom and you don't know. So it'll be great to get back to a model where we can actually see each other face to face, but this is our new, our new norm. So we're going to have to find creative ways to build that trust, build that connection through remote, um, remote work. You're right. Um, I I thought of that too. You know, real conversations occurs around the water cooler, so to speak, and definitely having the monitor um, between us um, make that difficult. Um, people talk not only in speech but body languages, um, and so it's on the, it's hard to read that. Uh, being on a computer, being, you know, we're Zoomed in. You know, we want to put our best face forward. Of course, we want to put on our makeup if you don't want to see me without makeup. Um, and so, you know, to have a sensitive conversation on the computer, I, I, I think that would be very, very challenging. Um, you're right for said, Vanetta, you know, touchy-feely. Yeah, that definitely makes a difference in having some sensitive conversation across all races and ethnicity. You know, when you can smile and touch that person on the shoulder, you know, it's sensitive and that person becomes very emotional. I can't reach out and touch you anymore. You know, the monitor is between us. So... It, it, that is a challenge, and um, maybe call me old, but I think I would love a hybrid work environment um, rather than a hundred percent work environment. I still want to be able to get out and dress and go out and meet people. Um, maybe an alternative, if you live in the same community, is to meet up, um, plan and socials where you can meet up. But, again, this pandemic has definitely put, uh, create space between us. But depending on your location, too, because I'm sure New York is very cold right now. Me being in Florida, I still have some sunshine and I can go outside. <laughs> Hi! Um, <laughs> I can go outside and meet people. Um not in an in a restaurant, but more or less outside of the restaurant, and we can still socialize. But we're social beings, mm-hmm. um, and so we we really need to connect. We need to find ways to connect in this new norm. I don't know that we'll revert. We will ever get back to where we were prior to December 2019, but we will ne- definitely need to start picking our brain on how can we do that. And continue to embrace diversity, inclusion, and equity among us. 
Yeah. And I, I think, you know, in the world of emojis, I'm so good at, sh- at sending emojis now. Zoom probably needs to have a, a hand holding emoji or a rubbing of the shoulder emoji or something um, to help us communicate non-verbally with each other. You know, they have the raising of your hand and the thumbs up and all of that stuff. But, you know, I guess we need to put a little bit more of the sappy stuff in there. (laughs) It's still not a touch. You're right, bro. You know, and you're talking to the hugger, a huggerlicious person. <laughs> so it's very restricting. But um, I, I do agree with the fact that body language says a lot, of, a lot. And I think if we had started out our DEI committee online the way we are now, we wouldn't have um, possibly had those really deep emotional um conversations and dialogue and expressions that we had um, in those meetings. But um, it's a good thing that we started out that way because when we meet and um, I I encourage everybody to turn their cameras on, um, it's good to see that we still have that connection with each other. But, you know, yeah, it is a challenge. MSPs are the gatekeepers of patient safety, ensuring quality care through the credentialing and privileging of healthcare providers in an ever-changing industry. Expand your knowledge base and core competencies by visiting nams.org forward slash education. So what are some DEI resources that you are most excited about that either exist or are being rolled out this year and can be used in 2022 and beyond? I can start. So the Human Right Campaign Foundation, as I I first spoke about, they have the Healthcare Equity Index certification that the organizations can go through. That's a really good resource, even if you're not going to apply for the certification. and, And of course, we're going for the harder one, which is the goal. But And it is a heavy, heavy lift. And I believe our DEI committee is going to take that on and break up the different functions or the different categories so that we can attack it and hopefully apply to become certified as a goal leader. That's a good resource, though. To, to They have transgender stuff, different policies to help organizations transition into sensitivity for those groups. Also, there's a CEO action for diversity and inclusion that we are part of. And I'm very happy to say our CEO signed up right away and they push you into really um, encourage different actions to really push the DEI initiative throughout the organization. And they hold you responsible for different initiatives as the year goes through and those two resources so far, along with all the other things that we do, you know, like go to YouTube, you'll find so much stuff on DEI, go to LinkedIn, you'll find a lot of things there. So all of those different avenues or, or resources are available for, for you to use. If you don't know where to start, it's, it's a good starting place. Awesome. Awesome. There is one that I, ladies, I don't know if you're aware of it, which I'm excited about. There's a program that started, it's called Black Men in White Coat. 
and there is a movie out as far as the movie with black men and I noticed that there are a lot of white doctors that are supporting black men in white and, and when it said black men it started with black men but they're black women too but I noticed that it's getting to be a bigger um, where white men are supporting black men in white coat because after they did the movie and again you don't know what you don't know a lot of our friends um, Caucasian friends realized that uh, they were biased in the way that they think to think that um, it was a um, evil playing field across the board they did not know that it was so uneven because no they didn't why would they bother to research that why would they even think that there is the the, the black um, doctors don't have the opportunity uh, African-American don't have the opportunity that they have because you don't know what you don't know so the black men in white coat I would recommend that you all watch it it's, it's really really um, educational it's really open your mind to think and I am excited about that to see that there are um, Caucasian behind it helping to push it to say that we need to build some form of equity we need to start building inclusion we need to create more diversity so that's one thing I'm very excited about and it, um, it's close to home because one of our doctors in it so you know it's nice to see somebody you know like I know him I you know um, to, to really be there and to be doing something that make a difference not only for my children as, as um, African-American but also for Caucasian to say look um, there is a difference in the world we all can live and I must say um, what's this generation not the millennial I think the generation Y or whatever they are they are way open-minded they are ready for this um, diversion and inclusion um, they're into what's the word fluidity whereas mm -hmm. look at the person for who they are not what they look like you know look at a person for what the person what they bring to you the love whatever energy that they bring to you don't look at what um, they are or, or, or their sexual orientation or the color of their skin or their culture wise just see the person for who they are and I'm yes. excited about that and I'm excited that 2022 and forward this conversation gonna be natural to speak with someone um, I have nothing to do with the color of your skin unless I'm gonna say what a beautiful girl you are I don't need to say beautiful white girl and and, and telling me that oh you're so beautiful for African-American or you're so beautiful for a Jamaican that's an insult that a lot of people didn't even know they were doing mm -hmm. so I'm looking forward to when the conversation as far as speaking to each other and we don't have to be talking about whether we're insulting each other or not because we don't know what we don't know I'm looking forward to that. If I don't get to see my my grandchildren might see. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. So for me, I resources that I am excited about are there's so many more webinars before time. Mm -hmm. And not of there there are so many more webinars, but they're also free. So if you are interested in understanding DEI there's so many webinars out there that you can tap into on LinkedIn, on, you know, so many other social media and professional websites, certification programs. Although some of them are not that cheap, <laughs> you know, if you really, really want to know, they're being promoted. Mm -hmm. Before they were not promoted, but, you know, every day I, I log into my LinkedIn page and I'm being directed to, 
a DEI certification program or webinar that is upcoming. Um, NAMS has also done several webinars, and we're looking forward to doing more of that in 2022. Podcasts, so many. We're doing this today. Why? Because we want to promote DEI among our peers and in our in our workplace. TED Talks. I follow TED mm-hmm. Talks, and oh my goodness, there's so much information that is out there from all different angles. So I would encourage you guys to listen to TED Talks. Just you know, you filter it for diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's so many of that out there. Um, donations. Hey. There's been so many donations. Unbelievable. It has rolled out. Um, But what I want to see is the effect of the donation and making a difference. Not only giving that amount of money out there, but if you're going to donate financially, you need to walk it, talk it, and do it. But the uh, companies are now uh, having diversity statements on their website. Yay. Um, before we would have yeah. ever found that. So that is also awesome. And th- I'm sure there's so many more that we can talk about. But, yes, I think we need to just keep this dialogue going and see where it takes us. So really quick, there's Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho. There's White Fragility why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin D'Angelo. There's How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And there's The Other Westmore, One Name, Two Fates by Westmore. So those are the books that I'm, I'm reading one of them now. I'm about to read the other three as well. But we do have a lot of resources out there. Pearl, thank you for those because you know I'm going to look more into the webinars as well. Thank you all so much for being part of the podcast. I mean, what a incredible conversation and truly a, a learning experience for me. You know, I hope you all got as much out of this as I did. I mean, it was truly a pleasure and an honor to, to be among such influential people in the MSP space and the DEI space. Um, so thank you all again. And um, I'm looking forward to publishing this episode and um, having our members listen. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Guys, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Tomorrow's MSP podcast, the voice of the medical services profession. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in to the next episode to stay up to date on the latest news and insights. Read more in-depth articles on trending topics by visiting us at namsgateway.org. Until next time.